0: This is Hope FM.
1: Right, my next guest uh, takes me to my homeland, the place uh, of my birth. Of course, I'm referring to the Emerald Isle, uh, Northern Ireland. And uh, uh, and my guest is uh, Jane Dunlop. So if she's managed to put the dogs away then, she should be on the end of the phone. Are you there, Jane?
0: I'm back, thank you. Yep, and sure. the,
1: do- the dogs are fairly secure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they are, though they may decide to bark at any moment. Uh, but hopefully, we won't hear them from oh, here. Oh
1: well, don't worry. We'll just we'll just call it atmospherics, you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, uh, Jane, obviously, you've got quite a story to tell. But tell me, how did the whole faith journey uh, begin for you? I mean, Ireland is often called the land of saints and scholars. Uh, but but how did that journey of faith begin for you?
0: Yeah, well, I guess um, if you're from this part of the world, you, you'll know that. Most of us would have gone to church or Sunday school as children. It was the thing, um, so I, I was dragged to church every opportunity when I was a child. But I possibly, and I'm not 100% sure, but I gave my life to Jesus when I was about six or seven at a um, um, holiday Sunday school. But I wasn't really 100% sure that you know that I had done it properly and all that sort of stuff. So I recommitted myself when I was about 17 years old, um, just as a result of a a local mission where the text was now is the accepted time, now is the hour of salvation. And I thought, right, I really must make sure I'm right with God and, you know, just have this moment where I know that this is definitely me getting uh, right with God.
1: Well, of course, as you quite rightly said, that faith and going to church was very much part of the of the Irish tradition. And certainly whenever I was a boy, there was 500 young people in my Sunday school. Wow, yeah. and, the, and the church the church was packed. You know, it was a Presbyterian church in Belfast. Uh, but, uh, but, I mean, obviously it's one thing, you know, having that in the culture. It's quite a different thing, you know, making that personal and real. As things progressed for you, when, when did it become more personal? So when did you really know that there really was a God?
0: Well, see, the thing is, I always knew there was a God. That was never a question for me. Mm. The question was always whether or not I was walking with God. And it's actually, I I went to university in in Wales, and the question whenever I was growing up was, which church did you go to? It was never, do you go to church? And when I moved over to Wales, people were like, what do you mean, church? (laughs) It was more a question of, you go to church, do you? I don't understand why you go to church. Um, And what I have found, actually, from living on both sides of the water, that um, if you go to church in England, people kind of know that you believe, whereas in Northern Ireland, you could be going to church and it's just part of the culture, you know, rather than your own personal faith. Um, So I very much grew in, in my Christian faith when I went to university and started, you know, mixing with other people and discussing things, and that was really... For me, where the the personal faith journey really took off.
1: Yeah, now obviously you. I was talking. I often talk to people about the career that we get ourselves involved with. You were and still are very much involved with the library service. Was books sort of part of your, of your of your thing? Were you always, uh, you know, uh, well, a staunch reader? Would maybe be the term.
0: Yeah, I was I was one of those kids and I, I still do it today. Um, everywhere I go, there's a book with me and I am not converted to electronic books. I'm still on print. So if I'm going to go anywhere that I'm going to be potentially waiting around, there's usually a book in my bag. And as a child, there was always a book around. And then um, in the early 70s in Northern Ireland, they decided they would have libraries just everywhere. So, I had a local branch library really close to my home and I just spent hours in there and eventually I was helping out and then I you know, got summer jobs in the library and I didn't know what to do with my life. I had no clue, so I thought, well, I like books. I'll get into librarianship. In, in hindsight, I think I would have liked to have gone into publishing but um, didn't really know as much about that in those days. So, yeah, I just wanted to be surrounded by books <laughs>
1: And of course, the the other thing that I I picked up about yourself was that you were a bit of a politician. What what was it that that made you want to get involved with local politics, particularly in Northern Ireland, of course, where things can be a wee bit hot at times?
0: Yeah, very hot. Um, Well, when I was in in England, I I worked in London for uh, 10 or 11 years, and people used to say I was a bit political, and I thought, I'm not really, but... Maybe I am the way I look at things, you know, that what's the reason behind this and how we, how can we get around this particular difficulty? So I came back to Northern Ireland and with being away from it for so long, I'm looking at it going, what is the problem here? You know, (laughs) why don't you people get on? This does not make sense. And um, I joined a group called Protestant and Catholic Encounter where we would go and I'm from a Protestant background and I would meet others from a similar background, but also people from a Catholic persuasion. And at that time, it was 1994, it was still fairly, very segregated. And we would have people come to speak to us who were um, very much um, involved in in politics and and activity and hear their stories. And it was always, you know, like former prisoners and things. It was very interesting. And uh, then I just felt to get more active. But... I did not just decide to get active. Um, I asked God about it because one of the things that was quite important back in those days was your personal safety um, so I really prayed about it, and people gave me confirming words and then I discovered the verse that says Fear of man is a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord shall be safe, and at that point, I felt that if i if this was of God, he would protect me so I um, looked around at the different parties and what they believed and what they stood for and there was one party that stood out for me and that was called the Alliance Party and its ethos was very much about bringing both of the sides of the problem together and it never saw people as being particularly from one sector of the community or the other so I got involved with them and um, really enjoyed being part of that party for 20-odd years.
1: <laughs> a long time. And you were actually elected to councillor, weren't you, local council?
0: Yeah, well, the, the kind of weird thing was um, I said I would like to become a councillor and I rang, contacted the party and they went, oh, it's OK, we have somebody lined up for your area. But what I didn't know in the background was the um, the person who was, In that area had decided he would stop he wanted to spend more time with his family and they had somebody else lined up but they weren't very happy about that person because apparently he had a bit of a drink problem i don't know who it was or anything Mm. and um they just they were like we'll have you you seem sensible you're talking our language so i applied to join the party in february or march and i was elected in may and i'm just sitting there going how did that happen (laughs) it must have been God
1: (laughs) (laughs) and how long were you elected for was it a three four year term
0: it was a four year term um, but I I was really disappointed not to be re-elected at that point and for all sorts of political reasons I found it quite difficult to get back in but I was re-elected in 2011 and was a councillor again until 2015 and I could really see the change that had happened in Northern Ireland in that period. Um, the first time round, I was in council when there was a lot of political unrest and the Good Friday Agreement was being signed, and it was it was quite hot and heavy. And then when I went back in in 2011, it was like peacetime. It was so different. It was it was really nice. This is Hope FM
1: well now we're going to uh, now obviously presumably the the diagnosis that you yourself had, had had cancer did that just come out of the blue
0: it it very much did actually i um my, had been mindful and had been watching out my mother had breast cancer when I was a teenager and mm-hmm. back in the day um that was a bit of a shock and a lot less talked about um and and she did well out of it, so I was you know fairly hopeful that if this ever happened to me, it would be okay but I still dreaded it, and um, I'd had a few checkups and everything was fine, but I went for a routine mammogram um, when I hit grand old age of 50 and um, really didn't think anything about it. I thought, well, this is just um, something I have to do. It'll be fine, but two weeks later, I got a recall, and inside I just went, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good, and very quickly I was told it was... um, cancer, it was aggressive and um, it needed to be treated. And it did come as a bit of a shock.
1: So was it a... Did you think, why me? I mean, obviously, you, you know, you don't often think rationally when you get the that sort of bombshell news. How, how did you react?
0: I was... Um, once I'd had it confirmed, it was easier to work with. The not knowing the, oh, this might or it might not be, was harder to work with. But once I knew... I was reasonably okay until um, one night the bubble sort of burst and I just was so angry and upset. And the very question I asked was, why me? And uh, which, when you think about it, is, well, I suppose it's a fair enough question. Yeah. But the the answer that just came into my spirit was, well, why not me? You know, everybody is susceptible and bad things happen to everybody at some point in their lives and why would I be particularly exempt? I mean, I am a Christian but in the Bible it doesn't say that we will be immune to troubles it says that God will be with us when we go through troubles um, so once I realised that it you know, it, it wasn't personal and God was with me, then actually I was fine, I was okay after that
1: Now, I know that you're, uh, you, you've written a book, and what have you called your book?
0: called it Faith, Hope and Reality. Um, the the reason it's reality is because um, when I was going through the process and the journey, um, I thought, you know, I don't know what this is going to be like. I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk to people if I want to talk to people. So I decided I would have a blog and then if anybody wanted to know how I was, they could look at the blog rather than me having to, you know, message people or, or whatever. And um, the, the blog is it's not very exciting, it has to be said. You know, um, how far I was able to walk today, oh, I'm not feeling well, um, that sort of stuff, or I'm in pain. A bit, bit like a diary. Yeah, a bit, bit of a diary, or I've just been into a shop and caused chaos, or I've forgotten to pay coming out of the car park, things like this that happen to you when you're going through, through chemotherapy. And um, I always had this feeling that maybe I would sort of Publish it somehow. Uh, so I went down a, a semi-self-publishing route and tidied that up, and then put in a bit about the story as well, so that there's the story of how I coped with it, and then this reality bit, which is the the, the nuts and bolts of travelling up and down on the train every day to get radiotherapy or, or whatever. Um, just as, as as an encouragement to to anybody else who might be going through it, and I decided I would wait until I was past five years. I didn't want to write a book and then, you
1: know,
0: not be very successful (laughs) for me. So I decided to wait until five years. So it's now actually seven years since I was diagnosed. And for all sorts of reasons, it took a while to get the book together. Lockdown did not help either. Um, But it will be available on um, the timelesspublications.co.uk website from today. And it will actually be out on round about the thirteenth or fourteenth of September.
1: So that's timelesspublications.co.uk.
0: Yes, um, just while I'm on the subject, it retails for five ninety nine. But until the fourteenth of September, there's a twenty percent discount, and I think the guy said that there wouldn't be any charge for postage and packaging. So basically, it will be four pounds. Um, Four pounds four fifty uh, up until about the what did I say fifteenth fourteenth or fifteenth of September. Now, obviously, being
1: yeah. a, being a, libra- a, li- a librarian by you know, by profession, if you like, and then obviously, you know, being a being an avid reader of, of books. I mean, how did you? What did you? How did you decide what the content should be? You know, what 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 to put in the book?
0: Well, I talked to somebody else um, who is a local journalist, and he said, oh, we need a bit more of this, tell me a bit more about that, I need to know about your story, when did you become a Christian, what happened, Um, you know, tell a bit about the politics, but don't go into huge detail, so we we sort of worked it out ourselves which bit of biography might be interesting, um, just so that people would know where I was coming from, Um, and I, I thought the... The blog bit was quite dull, but he found it the bit most interesting because that was very real. Um, whereas, obviously, when you're writing a story, you can slant it a bit. But the, the blog was, <laughs> as it was happening. So, um, I, it's, I hope it's a good balance for people to read and um, pick and choose if they want to read the whole thing or just, you know, bits of it.
1: You know, obviously, have you said a moment or two ago that it's been a seven-year. Journey, and of mm. course, it's good that that you got you got the all clear. Uh, but it, 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 you must have been thrown together with lots of other people, you know, both on your journeys to do chemo and and obviously the people that you will have had contact with. I know you do a wee bit of broadcasting on the side as well. So, have you been amazed at, at how God has used the the experiences that you have gone through are going through uh, to to open up new channels of communication for you?
0: Yeah, well, I think um the the thing that's most obvious is when somebody else is going through it, they don't have to explain what it means you know when they get the diagnosis or they're gone through a particular bit of treatment because we instantly know what it's like and I have a very close friend at the minute who's going through it for the second time, so we have lots of conversations, but I have to be honest, I'm one of those people who I was offered, you know, to go to groups and share my experiences. Definitely not for me, because it's it's very much reliving it. Um, so if if there's... Or, and the other thing is, I don't want any negative things. I don't want anything to come into my head that might make me think this could come back. I have to be positive. It's very much a mental struggle, um, the whole cancer thing. Um, so... I help if it's people I know, but I don't go out to, you know, to start up those conversations um, hmm. that way around.
1: I mean, that's that's pretty important, isn't it? Because, you know, I, I mean, the Bible does say as a man and woman thinks in, in their heart, uh, so so he is. And I guess that if we all start thinking negative thoughts or letting fear dominate us, it almost gives the evil one a platform, doesn't it?
0: It does. And, you know, very much it it could just grow in your head and, even if nothing else, it takes away your peace and um, could cause other problems. I mean, I, I uh, particularly when I was going through the cancer thing. I mean, they tell you to avoid websites; just stick to the the, the ones from the health service or the breastcancercare.org website. Don't go looking anywhere else because you could get yourself into knots with, oh, if I try this treatment, or perhaps if I go suck um, as a certain leaf of a certain plant, I'll be okay, <laughs> or if I cut out all of this particular type of food. Um, so you have to be really focused and um, th- there is a fear that can very easily come back and some people struggle with that fear every time they go back for a checkup. They're really scared about what this would mean, um, whereas... I'm in my mind I'm always going right this is going to be clear everything will be fine and if it's not fine I'll deal with it then but I'm not going to you know go around because I have to live the rest of my life I don't want to live it in fear Um, if something happens down the road fair enough but at the minute I want to enjoy the life I have and make the most of it. This is Hope FM.
1: So thinking about people listening to the program, uh, Jane, who may, who may uh, either have cancer themselves or perhaps they, they know of somebody who, who has. We have one of our, our presenters, David Frost, who's unfortunately been given a, 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 a diagnosis with cancer. It's pretty much throughout his whole body. If if God doesn't intervene, then he will be going home to be w- with the Lord. But sometimes it's really, really hard, isn't it, to keep positive. What, what was it that, that worked for you?
0: Uh, Well, there were two things, really. One was to avoid all those stories um, about you know, my granny had it and she was dead within three weeks, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I was overhearing, every, it was everywhere once I was diagnosed, I would go into a shop and I would hear people saying, oh, have you heard about Ethel? She's really ill. And you'd be like, no, I don't want to know. And then um, Bernie Nolan was ill at the time with cancer and she died. And every soap opera, every everywhere had stories about cancer. For, fortunately, after a while, it just became really funny. Um, but the... So try to avoid those sort of negative stories and surround yourself with people who are positive. Um, Okay, so it might not be good, but you don't want them talking it up and making it worse than it actually is. It's bad enough. You want people around you who just treat you as normal, who, you know, if you pull your wig off, don't keel over, you know, they just carry on talking to you as per normal um, and things like that. But also... If you're a Christian, and even if you're not find somebody who's going to pray for you. Um, I used to travel around with a friend of mine who preaches. I would be her driver, so I got called Miss Daisy from time to time um, <laughs> and i would be i would or I would be driving Miss Daisy more to the point, and I would be driving to all these different places, which were mostly Elam churches in northern Ireland and when they heard I had been diagnosed with cancer, they started praying so and there were friends and relations praying, and people that I didn't know all locally because I I, um, became quite public about it as well because um, I wanted people to make sure they went and got all the checks. Um, If a mammogram comes up or any other test you're offered, go for it. Um, Much better to catch this thing as early as possible. But I really, I have never experienced... That this feeling that people say, you know, I knew people were praying for me until I went through this. And my goodness, it was like a little cushion underneath me. And I joked um, at the time that I was not in a bad mood for all the time that I knew people were praying. That I just was positive and, and just could sense that they were praying. So getting people to pray for you is huge. Even if people don't know what to pray, they can at least pray you know, that you have a good day or you're you're being blessed or whatever. And uh, and some people would send cards and verses. And somebody sent me a CD with um, a preacher just reading healing scriptures. And I would just put that on. And I had a little book that was written by Joel Osteen's mother. Um, she had a terminal diagnosis, but God healed her. And she listed all the scriptures that she spoke over herself every day. And I had verses that I clung to, and you know, would repeat. And all those things just kept me positive. And some people would come and take me out for a cup of coffee and just treat me. So actually getting out and about and seeing people really helped. But just carrying on as normal a life as possible and trusting God. And it just all added up. Every little thing added up. And God reaches us where we need to be reached so somebody else's journey will be completely different to mine but god will touch them in the way that they need to be touched if they're open and and trusting him and you know i'm just for your friend i'm just believing that he will really feel god's presence and just rest in you know underneath of the everlasting arms that he would just really sense that presence because i think that makes all the difference
1: Yes, and it, it is very, very true. And unlike you, we've got people praying uh, literally all over the world for 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 yeah. David Frost. And if you're listening and you want to, someone to pray for, David Frost is is, is the guy. He was uh, he was involved with broadcasting with us uh, for quite a year. He himself actually is 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 remarkably. Uh, positive which is really really great you know and in fact we did talk about uh, about death you know and i i was saying to him i said you know even if the worst thing happened and and, and god took you home david i think we'd be really, absolutely brilliant news for you but actually for everybody else is terrible news you know but for, there's something about fear isn't there I, I think that the more than anything else that the evil one rests on fear you know to to all, I mean not just about illness, but lots of other things as well, but he uses it to to almost put a, put us into a state of paralysis. I guess that the the coronavirus has also brought that home to roost as well
0: yeah, i think, I think very much i mean if if you 're in fear you 're just going to be like you say paralyzed, locked down inside as well as being locked down in your house, and that 's what the devil wants. He just wants us to be sitting here, not able to do anything, not able to contribute. To the world, because at the end of the day, he he wants as few people as possible to get to heaven, whereas we need to be unleashed so that we can, you know, live for God, um, be a reflection of who he is, and touch the people in our own environments. Um, So fear is something we really have to fight against.
1: Now you were saying, we we both shared reading the same book together because uh, uh, Canon David Watson wrote a book about fear, didn't he? And it was, I mean, mean, for his time, it it was quite a brave thing for him to do, wasn't it? Fear No Evil was the title of the book.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it when, as I said, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. She didn't tell anybody um, apart from her family. I, I don't think people in the local community had a clue of what she was going through. And it was the big and We didn't talk about it back then. So it was shortly after that that he would have written the book. Uh, So very brave to write it. And it was was just something I could really identify with. And he got himself to a position where he knew that if he died, it would be fine. He felt safe. But at the same time, he didn't really want to go until actually he reached the end. And he turned to his wife and he said, "I, I think it's time. I, I need to go, and, and he went very quickly after that. Um, but, yeah, very hard for everybody who's watching. Um, and, and you know, we will see each other again, but the years on Earth may seem internally long without somebody that you love.
1: Mm. It's interesting. I was just listening to a podcast. You know the, the young girl who passed away by eating a... a pret sandwich you know on the plane yes. and uh, well what people don't know is that she was a Christian and as was her father and uh, he he tells the story about about the day that she died you know but he actually saw five angels uh, appeared and, and you know wow. and working on her body you know uh, and uh, that has that has remained with him he gives testimony sort of all over the place it's just when it comes to life and death there's so much that we we just don't understand and maybe that's what makes us fearful Because we don't really understand, you know, uh, what's ahead.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably something we all have, and the Bible tells us a certain amount, but it's not—it's not in glorious Technicolor that we can really identify (laughs) with it. It's just supposed to be great. Um, And if anybody reads Word for Today, that's actually what they're talking about at the um, minute—about heaven and about going to um, the new. Eden the new paradise um that's what today's was about and um just it it's just good if if we do think about it and talk about it because it's like a it's like a blackness in front of us sometimes and it it would be really good if people would come back and say oh it was it was so cool and occasionally people do have those experiences um which help us to understand but yeah it's it's, it's a big it can be very scary yeah the thought of it.
1: Well, yeah. the book published uh, uh, today, and we'd better just remind uh, folk that the, the title of, of the book is Faith, Hope and Reality. It's available mm-hmm. from today uh, on uh, Timeless Publications. So, presumably, they just uh, type into our, in the, the Google search timelesspublications.co.uk.
0: Yeah, I didn't double check last night to make sure it was on the site. I have been promised it will appear on the site um, yesterday. Um, and then it's pre-publication orders It will be available in a couple of weeks' time to actually get your hands on.
1: Absolutely. So if you... Uh, and, in fact, you could, they can even get a discount then, can't they? So it's, it would normally uh, re- right. retail at five ninety nine, but you can get it with... Is it 20% they're offering off for, for a short period 20, of
0: time? 20% until um, the... 14th or 15th of September. I should really get that date right, but I think it's the 15th.
1: So what are you you hoping, Jen, will be the the, the response to the book? How do do you see it going, or have you thought about that?
0: Yes, I have actually. Um, I wanted my story out. There's a few people I know who've known me for a very long time who um, are not Christians and I'd love to get it in their hands in the hope that something in my experience will touch them. I also um, want to get copies down to um, a holiday home that is specifically for people who've had cancer diagnosis. That's on Island McGee, uh, a place called Browns Bay. And um, I want that to be av- available for them. So just so that people who are going through this who maybe know God but need a bit of confirmation or, uh, uh, or maybe people who don't know God at all might um just connect with him through this so that's really what what my hope is that it will you know just speak to some people and show them that god is real
1: and of course i know that you, you 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 don't really like going around and doing much public speaking but of course you may find that that, that now you be, you're joining the the uh, the, the wonderful uh, tribe of authors that you will start getting invitations to speak all over the place
0: yeah, well, I'm, I'm I'm slightly getting better at that. When I was a child, I hid. Um, if you'd have suggested I would sing or say anything in public, I just would have hidden. But I, I have been in worship teams, and with the politics, I had to speak uh, in public. So I'm, I'm a lot better now. I've, I've kind of uh, worked on that. But that also is a story for anybody who says, I couldn't possibly do. Sometimes you have to do the thing to be able to, to actually do it. So uh, don't write yourself off saying i could never do that i'm not good enough or smart enough or brave enough just try it and um, the worst you can do is fail and as you try everything a bit more and a bit more you get better at it and more confident so um yeah (laughs) so if i end up having to speak that'll be fine
1: (laughs) for more inspirational interviews
0: podcasts and hopefm best bits visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again